Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're now in Masachat Shabbat Avkuf Tet Zayin Amud Aleph, near the top of the Amud, uh, and we have uh, we're in the middle of the discussion of what parts of a Sefer Torah, how much of a Sefer Torah is still rescued on Shabbat from a fire. The question was asked in the Beit Midrash: Do we save blank parchment of a Sefer Torah on Shabbat? Toshma. So let's see. Sefer Torah Shabbalah. Mishpal Akit Shmonim Chameshot Yot Gon Pashar Vahimin Sarah Ronatzin Milavin Matzilin. The Pryta that generated the last part of the previous discussion, which says that if you have a Sefer Torah that's eroded and there's eighty-five letters scattered throughout what's left, the size of the Pashar Vahimin Sarah, then we save it. If not, not. Ve'amai. Why do you have to count it all? Typically, Mishum Gilyon Didei. After all, there's blank parchment there. So if you save blank parchment, then that's it. The answer is Balashani. It's different if the uh, text had been written on and then eroded, because there the text may be, the sanctity may be generated by the text, which is gone, as we'll see. Toshma, more explicit challenge. Sefer Torah Shani Mechak, if you have a Sefer Torah, was erased. Again, the Shi'ur of 85 letters. Again, why not save it because of the uh, the parchment? The answer is my He wasn't asking about the place where there is a text. The Chikadosh, I know that the sanctity of the part of the parchment where there's text, as could be him sanctified because of the Ktav. When the Ktav is gone, then the Kadush is gone, and therefore if there's not eighty five letters, that's it. I'm asking about the blank margin above and below the text. Or when you have a parsha p'tucha and you skip a line. Between uh, horizontally between uh, columns. Or the four lines that we leave at the end of sefer brachit, etc. The uh, But wait a second. When we have our sefer Torah that's been erased. So you still have those blank areas too. So clearly you don't save the Gilion alone. The answer is the guy is Vashadi. Maybe you do, and maybe those questions are asking about a case where all that's left is the area of the text that got erased. It got cut out and thrown out. So Toshma, so let's see, a Gilionim Shamala Vishamatam Shem Pashal Pashash Bindaf Daf, Khatsefishosofa Sefer, Metamimataim. So here we have from Masachat Yadaim, the famous Gzera that we talked about in the first parak about Kitvea Kodesh, the Gilion is also Matame Tayadaim, the above, below, etc., as we said. So the answer, that doesn't solve it, because Dilma Gav Sefer Torah Shani, maybe that sanctity is because it's part of a Sefer Torah. So there's a proper Sefer Torah, you touch the blank area, you have Tumat Yadaim. But that doesn't mean that the Gilion alone is saved. So Toshma, your name is Sifre Minim. Sifre Minim means a Sefer Torah written by a Min, which typically is going to be a Christian. Ein Matzlin Otam we don't save him. They get burned up. With God's name in him. My love, Gilyonim, the Sefer Torah. Doesn't Gilyon here mean a Sefer Torah's mar- parchment or margin? No, Gilyonim, the Sefer Minim. It means the parchment, the blank parchment, on Sefer Minim. So, well, why would they mention that? If you don't save the text itself, certainly you don't save the parchment. What it means is to say that the text itself is like the Gilyonim of the text. We don't save any of it. So let's see how this works. Gufa, Gilyonim, Sifreminim, Ein Masantam, Ne'adlikah. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Bechol, Koderataz, Karot, Shalahen. If it's not Shabbat, here's what you do. You cut out Hashem's name, 
you have to burn the rest. Not just let it burn in a fire. You have to burn the rest. You have to destroy these Sifre Torah written by the Minim. He took an oath that if I would have such a scroll come to me, I would burn them with God's name in them. Even if a man is chasing you, or you're being chased by a snake that wants to bite you and kill you, you could hide in a pagan temple. But you cannot hide in the sanctuaries of the Minim. Why? Because these people know God, and they rejected God. The pagans, what they don't know, so they're not rejecting something that they knew, they're just mistaken. Regarding the minim, the text says, You put your memory behind the door and behind the mezuzah, meaning you knew about God and you walked away. This is evidently a reference to the early Christians. Rabbi Shmuel Kavachomer, he adds on to that. God said, in order to bring peace between man and woman, this is the story of Sota, God said, I will allow my name written to be erased, in the parchment that's uh, that's um, uh, that's uh, put into the water, these people who bring competition and hatred and anger between the Jewish people and God, how much more will I allow my name to be destroyed to bring peace to my people? David, referring to the minim, God, David said, they are those who cause people to hate you, God. I hate them. Those who rise up against you, I will challenge. I hate them with an utmost hatred. We don't save their texts from a fire. Or from anything else, it destroys them. So, we asked him the following question. Be'avidan was a pagan temple in Bavel. Can we save them? He wasn't sure. So what's this Be'avidan? So we'll find out. Be'avidan was a, uh, evidently a temple that uh, was related to the Zoroastrian cult. Be'avidan was evidently a place where the early Christians and the Jews would debate. And they would have Sfarim written there. So Rav refused to go to Be'avidan. Certainly wouldn't go to Be'nitzafi. Shmuel of Be'nitzafi lo Azil. He wouldn't go to Be'nitzafi, but Be'avidan Azil he would go. Amrulei the Ravas. They said to Rav, Amai tamalo atit Be'avidan. Why don't you come? Rudikla panya ikeb orchavakashili. It's a big tree in the way. I can't get in my way. Neakre? We'll uproot it. Tuchte kush kashili. The place is difficult for me. And he avoided this. Marbar Yosef Amar Anami Nayuana. I'm from there. I'm not afraid of those guys. He went once. He ended up in danger. Right, so we see that uh, these kind of interactions are probably not uh, a good idea. Anybody interested in a much more modern read of this particular issue was uh, certainly uh, encouraged to read Rabbi Soloveitchik's Confrontation, um, which is his response to the Second Vatican Council's call for theological discussion. Um now referring specifically to the New Testament, the Evangelon, Rebbeir used to sort of play with the name and call it the Avon Gilion, meaning a text of sin. Avon Gilion. He would uh, put the word Aven, but Avon, again another word for sin.
A very fascinating story here. Ima Shalom, Davitu de Rabeliezer, Achter Gamliel Habe. Ima Shalom was very famously Rabeliezer's wife. Famous because of the story of Rabeliezer said Tachnun, and her, her brother, Rabbi Gamliel, pa- passed away at that moment in the story about Atanoshal uh, Achnoi. But in this story, she and her brother had become orphans. Rabbi Gamliel uh, had died. There was a philosoph, philosoph, which evidently here means one an early Christian magistrate that was in their neighborhood. He put a, got, got a reputation for being an honest judge, even though he really wasn't. So they wanted to make fun of him and they wanted to expose him. So she first brought him a present of a golden lamp privately as a bribe. And then the two of them came to him. Father died, and I want to inherit equally with my brother. The judge said, divide. Gamliel said, said that in our Torah it says that where there is a son, the daughter does not inherit. Amrle, the judge said, from the minute you were exiled from your land, meaning the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, in Atilat Oraita de Moshe, Moshe's law was taken away, and the Evangelon was given. And it says there, and nobody's ever been able to find this quote in the New Testament, sons and daughters inherit equally. So So then Gamliel met with him privately the next day and gave him a bigger bribe, a Libyan donkey. And then they met again, and he said, Oops, look at the end of the Avon Gilion. What does it say? I have not come to take away from the law of Moses or to add to the law of Moses. It's basically a paraphrase of the part of, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And it says in the law of Moses, Where there's a son, the daughter does not inherit. So... She who was happy not to inherit, her point was to try to show him up. Let your light shine forth like a lamp, which is almost a direct quote from the Sermon on the Mount, which is fascinating because it means when Leo and his sister are both familiar with these stories, uh, at least the version of Matthew, and uh, and uh, are clearly making fun of them. Gamliel said to the judge, My donkey came and kicked over your lamp. The reference to the donkey and the Libyan donkey here also has a lot of significance uh, in uh, in understanding early Jewish-Christian relations and Christian beliefs. But in any case, this is Chazal's, uh, one of the many examples of where Chazal uh, took direct aim at that. Okay, the end of the Mishnah said that we do not read uh, Ketuvim because of Bitul Beit HaMidrash. So, Amar Rav Loshanu Elabizman Beit HaMidrash. Rav said that's only during a time of a lecture in the Beit HaMidrash. Shlobizman Beit HaMidrash. Korin, if not, then you could on Shabbat. Shmuel Amar Filu Shlobizman Beit HaMidrash in Korin. Even if there isn't a lecture, you still can't read Ketuvim. Eni, is that true? Vahan Nahardea Atreid Shmuel Havei. Nahardea was Shmuel's town, we all know that. Vahnahardea Paski Sidra Bechtuvim Minchat Shabta. They used to have a sort of a haftarah they would read at the end of learning from Ketuvim on Shabbat Mincha. Ella, so they can't be the Shmuel, Shmuel never would have uh, issued a ruling against it, and then they would practice that way in Nardea. This is how we should read it. That Rav limited and said it's only in the Beit Midrash, or in a city that has a Beit Midrash. 
Shlomo kometa midrash, but if you're somewhere else, Korin on Shabbat, you may read from these. Shmuel ben makometa midrash ben Shalom makometa midrash bizman beta midrash and Korin ben Shalom bizman beta midrash Korin. I'm Dash Korin. Here Shmuel said whether or not you're in a location like that during that particular time on Shabbat, you may not read it, but any other time you may. Vaz the Shmuel atameh, and Shmuel now is being consistent. Because after the lecture on Shabbat, they would read the Ketuvim, because that's after Zman Beit HaMidrash. We'll go back to our original read. Shmuel was following Rabbi Nechemia. The Tosefta says, even though we have a rule that you don't read Ketuvim HaKodesh on Shabbat, Nonetheless, you could review them. You could darshan from them. And if you need a pasuk, you can go take a look and check the pasuk out. They're not forbidden in that way. And Abram Nechem, Neymam Ruk, Tiva Kodesh, and Korin, and Rechem says, I'll tell you the reason that we prohibit it. If we can't read Kitvei certainly we can't read our own business documents, and people will avoid reading their business documents. The idea here being that the prohibition was not one of interfering with study, but rather setting a very high threshold for how we should spend our time on Shabbat, and people will then understand that they should not spend it in their own pursuits of, uh, of business interests. Okay, we'll pause at this point and pick it up with the second part of Mishnah Aleph uh, in the next podcast. The Mishnah should have a wonderful day.